freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. everybody welcome to episode number 375 of gun freedom radio where we engage we educate and we inform we are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com where you set the price on guns ammo and accessories I am one of your hosts Cheryl Todd and I'm the other guy Dan Todd our theme today is the Arizona Find Act where we have Michael Finley, who is the Director of Government Relations for the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Welcome to the show, Mike. Dan, Cheryl, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for everything that you do for the industry and the, and the Second Amendment in Arizona. It's great to see two folks like you fighting every single day for, for the Second Amendment. And we don't get that in a lot of states. So it's, it's a pleasure to be with you. So thank you. Thank well, you. thank you for that. It is, it's an honor, really. You know, as citizens, we all should be stepping up and speaking out. And, you know, if we're not setting a good example, then we certainly can't look at anybody else and fault them for not doing the same. So that's, you know, really um, what we, we're trying to do here is to be good stewards of all that our founding fathers and all the giants on whose shoulders we stand have protected and handed into us in our lives. We just want to be sure we can pay that forward to the next generation, our children and our children's children. But thank you for saying so. Um, we wanted to have you on today and, and we've really kind of, this is like breaking news uh, here in Arizona, really kind of a, a, a quick dive on something that just happened at our state legislature. Um, and it's very, very important. And even if you're not in the gun business in any way, in the firearms business, the ammo business, this impacts you. So as we start unpacking this, and I'm talking to my listening and viewing audience out there, this impacts you. Uh, don't tune us out when you start hearing us talk about, well, if you're in the gun business, then this is how this impacts you. This is all of us, because if they can single out one segment, for whatever reason they decide to, they're going to single out every segment that they decide to. So um, there's an act, a bill, it's been kind of colloquially called the FIND Act, uh, stands for the Firearms Industry Non-Discrimination Act, and it's having some trouble getting through even a Republican-heavy Senate here in the state of Arizona. And it's a huge head scratcher for me as to why. Michael, can you jump off from there and just kind of bring us up to speed on what this is all about and where we are? Absolutely. I'd love to tell you a little bit about the bill, tell you kind of my surprise as well, uh, and tell you from our perspective the trouble that it's had in the legislature 
And then also, as you just said, explain why it not only affects FFLs, manufacturers, retailers, ranges, but how it affects every single person. And let's start off with that. We've seen through COVID-19 how fragile the supply chain is. Mm -hmm. And keep that in mind as, as we describe the problem with financial discrimination when it comes to financial institutions on our industry. And I just want to take you, you and your, your viewers back to 2013 and, and, and where this all started during the Obama administration. There was something called Operation Choke Point. And Operation Choke Point was put into place, as you remember, got a lot of news at that time. It was put into place by the Obama administration at the time. And what it did in a nefarious way is they said, well, we can't pass gun regulation because Congress isn't having it. The states are saying, don't infringe upon my rights. So instead of saying, you know what? We don't have the votes. We don't have the moral high ground when it comes to the argument. Why don't we go ahead and use the power of the executive branch and say to the FDIC and other regulators to classify entire lawful industries as quote unquote, higher risk. And that's exactly what they did. And they classified the firearms industry, whether you were an ammo manufacturer, a retailer, a range, what have you as high risk. This has two effects. What it really does is it puts pressure on the, through regulators, FDIC, and OCC and other federal regulators puts pressure on the banks to sever their relationship, whether it's a longstanding relationship, a profitable relationship, whether it's what have you, to sever those relationships solely on the basis of a client being part of the firearm industry. Mm -hmm. And I know your viewers are saying, ah, oh, that's terrible, but that doesn't really affect me. But it does, because keep in mind the supply chain and how mm -hmm. fragile it's all so if you have an ammo manufacturer or small one, let's say they're doing 5% of the overall supply, all of a sudden Bank of America cancels their banking and they can't find banking for six months or they can't find insurance for six months. Well, that supply comes offline because as you know, as former business owners, capital financial instruments are the lifeblood for small business, medium business, and even large business. Absolutely. I don't care if you're Ruger and Prescott who is a publicly traded company, their profits are hundreds of millions of dollars, or if you're that small mom and pop FFL, access to capital is critical. Mm -hmm. So when you disrupt that, it's a roundabout way of activists using the banking industry to deny the tools that citizens need to you know, use their second amendment rights. And that's what we're really seeing. They knew that they couldn't ban our products, so they're trying to choke off the funding. And unfortunately, the banking industry has made a calculation that they want to go ahead and pick profits and they want to go ahead and, you know, adhere to the small minority using the megaphone, the modern day megaphone of social media to say, we'd rather not do business with the firearm industry. And it's a shame. So I kind of want to pause there. And I just threw a lot at you a little bit on the history and why it affects your viewers. But before we go into kind of the remedies and the Find Act in Arizona. I just want to see Don and Cheryl, because I know that you were both FFLs at one time, wanted to see kind of if you've had experiences like that, or if you also want to, you know, ask any questions as to the history and why this is so both perverse and pervasive. Yes, we had, uh, thank you for allowing us to talk about that. We've had uh, 
fire FFLs for quite a while, and we still have one FFL, but one of the businesses I had, we wanted to expand and we got approval to buy a building. It was going to be a, right around a million dollars. And uh, I was working with Chase, who had, we had been banking with for several years. And Chase said, yeah, everything's good. You're a go. This is going to work. We did the final papers. We signed the papers. I was talking to my loan officer and it's a 15 minute drive from the bank to my location. We signed the papers and on the drive back, he called me and said, you've been denied. And I said, well, why? And he says, I can't tell you why. I, I can't tell you why. And I said, well, this is weird because we were approved. He says, you've been denied. I can't say anything more. A couple of days later, he quit his job and he came into my store personally and said, the reason that they denied you is because you are a firearm dealer. Okay. So then Chase still didn't like us because we we're still doing business with them. And um, they sent us notice that if we deposit over $10,000 cash in a month, that they were going to close our account. Well, what do I do with the cash? I mean, the government wants me to deposit the cash, right? So we deposited more than $10,000 and they canceled my, uh, they closed my account. So I went to a small desert schools, which desert financial now, and uh, they welcomed us and they have been doing great things for us. One of the things I want to caution, you know, you said that it, it, it's not just the banks that are, that it affects and the FFL dealers, but it also affects the, uh, uh, the consumers too for supply. But another thing is the next step that they were going to do from what I understood is make it that you couldn't use your charge card to buy a firearm. Now, see, if they have the, if they can limit the powers there, they can limit the powers with you being allowed to use your card to buy firearms or ammunition. So we do have to be aware, be careful of any kind of discrimination. Absolutely. And they're doing it in a clever way. I'm glad you brought up that point because they won't, they, they know that the majority of Arizonans, the majority of America understands the second amendment and does and understands that it shouldn't be infringed upon. So instead of saying on the front end, well, you can't use your credit card to purchase a firearm or ammunition. What they say is FFL retailer, you cannot, we're not going to do business with you or square if you're a payment processor. So you can't accept credit cards. So when somebody comes in and they try to purchase one, so that way they still, the customer is deceived and just thinking, oh, this is, I don't understand. And they just accept cash and they won't accept my credit card. And, you know, this barrier to entry might, is, is on the retail side and not on the payment processing side, but you're sure. absolutely right. They're already doing that. They're just doing it in a sneaky way. Right. We've had uh, credit card processors that deny us Mm -hmm. the the work because and and so then what do you have to do you have to go to one that charges more money mm -hmm. okay and that gets passed along to the because they call you that's why it impacts you the viewer whether you're right. in this business or not because they've called me and said hey we want to give you a better rate it's okay go through the process give me a better rate and then at the end they say oh you're dealing firearms I, we can't do firearms mm -hmm. and it doesn't stop there insurance companies the same thing it's it's you if you allow the banks to it it just opens a stream for everyone and discrimination is discrimination. It's a legal business. You have a federal firearms license with the federal government. You follow laws that you just can't, I mean, you compliance things that you have to go through. You guys know is NSSF that uh, you, you help FFL dealers and you know how much we get regulated 
it should be a no-brainer for the banks. This is the most safe business that they could do business with. Mm -hmm. But anyway. Absolutely. So back to you then, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I, we're hearing those stories all over the country. We're hearing them in Arizona. And, and that's really the impetus of, of the FIND Act. And it's House Bill 2473, sponsored by a, a great American and, and a great supporter of the Second Amendment and Representative Frank Carroll. And he's been wonderful. And it was passed unanimously within the House. Every Republican voted on it. And that's why it was shocking when we went to the Senate Finance Committee and I heard what I heard. And a little bit about my background for your viewers, um, I work on the entire West Coast. So I have the unfortunate pleasure of working in states like California, Washington State, Oregon. I was there during the fight where they recently banned standard capacity magazines in Washington over 10 rounds. I was there in Colorado over 10 years ago when they did the same. So we've seen this progression. We've seen this erosion of the Second Amendment especially in the West, year after year. But I was excited when I actually got to run a bill or start working in Arizona because of the great reputation that Arizona has as a Second Amendment supportive state. Mm -hmm. And to hear what I heard in that committee from folks that say that they are supporters of the Second Amendment mm -hmm. was disheartening. And I don't know if I completely blame them. When you look at the bankers, you know, mm -hmm. they have a lot of fancy lobbyists, mm -hmm. they have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, our political system, those things matter. And what they're doing is that they're doing it in a nefarious way by trying not to take a vote on this bill, but mm -hmm. going to leadership and saying, we don't want to vote on this bill. Mm -hmm. And that way, if it's not put on the floor, they don't have to have that on their record. But I'm so glad that we have shows like yours, mm -hmm. where we can tell the viewers exactly what's going on, and hopefully hold some of these state senators accountable. And again, I'm going to be very careful about naming specific ones, but if your viewers go back and look at the House Finance Committee meeting, I think they'd be shocked at some of the things that was said by quote unquote Republican lawmakers. Yes. Again, I worked all over the West Coast. I could have sworn at that meeting for five minutes. I was in California talking to mm -hmm. some Democratic senators. Um, so you know, what are they saying? And, you know, I don't mind mentioning names because they are supposed to be representing us, representing their constituents that live in this state, not representing banks. The banks didn't get them, uh, maybe they got them money, right, to campaign, but it was Dan, Dan and me and all of our neighbors that took our time and went down to the polls, and we're the ones that cast our votes, not the banks. So we are who they represent. But if we, you know, for the moment, don't want to mention their names, what did they say? What is their reasoning and rationale that they believe that it's okay to discriminate against legal business, legal business, strongly state regulated and federally regulated and mom and pops, people like us, grandparents, who are just trying to make a living, provide a service to our community and our, our clients and our customers, and to provide jobs for our neighbors. Why is it okay to discriminate against us? And, and that's exactly what's baffling to me. 
Um, when you look at the bill, we designed it in a way that would say, and the bill does not tell a bank or a financial institution who they can and cannot do business with. We wanted to be very careful and we wanted to make sure that the free market as business folks, as the free market was not Absolutely. in We are for freedom, right? Exactly. So what we said is, okay, if you as a bank have a policy on record, and I can name six or seven banks, JP Morgan Chase, Citi, Bank of America, just as a couple, right? If you have a policy of discrimination, and by the way, we know a lot of them do because the head of the banking association, John McCain's former chief of staff, Paul Hickman, testified that they did in the house, that they had policies of discrimination. Also, CEOs of these banks at the federal level testified that they had policies of discrimination. And they said, well, they're actually not policy discrimination, but we won't do business with anybody that sells military style weapons, high capacity magazines, and a whole list of criteria. Even though so they're legal. My, even though they're legal in Arizona and not only legal in Arizona, but what is your definition of a high capacity magazine? Is it Washington and California, which is over 10 rounds? Is a military style weapon, a Sig Sauer P320, which is the new sidearm for you know, our boys in, in, in the Marine Corps? So is that now something if, if, a little, if a small FFL sells a Sig Sauer P320, all of a sudden that's a military style weapon and therefore that FFL can't get payment processing? financing, loans, what have you, it's a slippery slope and it allows, and it's, it's disingenuous to say, no, it's not discrimination. We just won't do business with X, Y, and Z criteria, but they won't tell you what the criteria is and they won't define it. Just like how the left and the Brady campaign can't really define what an assault weapon is. It's the same thing with the banks. It's almost using their nomenclature for this. And it's really, really disappointing. But to answer your question, Cheryl, what we heard in committee was, was a retread of the talking points from the, from the banking industry saying that what this bill does is it infringes on the free market. It, it tells it's the heavy hand of business telling a business who he or she cannot do business with. And again, I would contest that point. But there are also a couple other things. If you know who the Mercatus Center is, they're in Washington, D.C. They are a free market think tank. They're ran by, they're funded by um, the Koch brothers, if, 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 if that rings a bell. Okay. Their main mission is to marry public policy with free market enterprise. And that's how they try to, kind of like the Heritage Foundation, they put out white papers. Well, they put out a white paper on this issue. They've also testified and put a letter out on the OCC rules, which is essentially the FIND Act, but at the federal level. And what they've said is, and I've got it right here, Banks' importance and the fact that consumers may not be able to participate in a free market in part because of regulation that should be in the hands of the legislature and instead has moved to the hands of a quasi-governmental um, institution, i.e. the banks, becomes problematic. And these actions amount to de facto regulation from an unelected body. Therefore, it may be reasonable to curtail banks' use of publicly granted power to further a de facto regulatory agenda. Essentially, you have the free market think tank that everybody agrees is a free, you know, the gold standard saying, no banks, mm -hmm. this is not a free market issue. But yet we've heard these, some of these Republicans 
echo this false narrative mm-hmm. in committee. And we had one senator, I'll just say his name, Senator Leach said, well, you know what? The second amendment is part of the constitution. And this, these are his words. So when your viewers crack up at this, I just go ahead and look at it. He said, but it's also in the constitution. This is what he said in the constitution. He said, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which I think we all know that that's a little bit different. And he said, well, I'm going to pick the pursuit of happiness and business over this. And he didn't let me rebuttal it, but sure, you're going to let the banks pick happiness dollars and their ability to discriminate on the second amendment, because you think that that is equal to the second amendment. And the thing that was truly perverse about it was this was a gentleman that said that he was, he was a co-sponsor of the bill. And instead of giving us a heads up, all of a sudden we heard in committee the, the retread, I mean, the talking points that are inaccurate from the banking industry and not even a heads up. And to say that it's a free market issue when it isn't, I mean, again, I'll send you the paper on the, from the Mercatus Institute. It just isn't, it was just shocking to us. But the way that they think they can get away with this is because if there isn't a vote on this, if they can table it and they can convince leadership not to put it on the board for a vote, they get to say, they get to have their cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. They can say, my voting record with the NRA and the Arizona Citizens Defense League, we have an A plus. Well, look at all my votes. But what that doesn't tell is that with Senator Leach, Senator Mesnard, mm-hmm. Senator Eugenti Rita, mm-hmm. is that we saw them ask Senator Livingston to not vote on this bill. And to me, when you're stopping, when you're helping, when you're helping the financial institutions discriminate Mm -hmm. on our industry by not having this vote, that's, and then saying that you're a supporter of the second amendment, that's almost worse than a Democrat who's willing to say, you know what, we disagree on this issue, but at least I'm gonna tell you to your face and I'm not going to lie and say that I'm a supporter of the Second Amendment. I'm so sorry. I'm a little fired up on this issue because, again, I was so excited to come to a conservative and what I thought was a Second Amendment loving state in Arizona and to be met with what I see in Washington State, Oregon State and California was a shock. No, you're, well, and you're I'm, exactly right to be fired up about this. Yeah, and and I, am as well. I am super angry, too, because these are people that are supposed to be representing of and not even bring the bill up to vote. Yeah, it's like a lie of, of omission, right? To to act like, yeah. oh, well, I probably would have voted on it, you know, but it wasn't there for me to vote for. We're not going to let them squeak through it that way with something this important. Um, two things I want to point out. One is the people that are discriminating, the banks that are discriminating and the people that work for them and have bought into this culture of, of bigotry, because that's what it is. They're bigoted against a certain business and people who who practice their, their Second Amendment rights, responsibly armed citizens. So they're bigoted, but they're also kidding themselves because they think that they are they have a cape waving behind them of of uh, moral superiority. But here's what they're discriminating against. They're discriminating against people who sell and use life-saving tools of self-defense. If you are on the side 
of these puffed up uh, cravat wearing bankers with their little monocles or whatnot. Right? You're watching Monopoly. <laughs> I've been watching and been playing that Monopoly too much. But if you're on the side of these bankers and the people that have bought into this culture of bigotry, then you are not on the side of people who are selling and using life saving tools every single day. It is well documented over two and a half million times every single year. Lives are saved because of responsibly armed citizens who use these tools, right? And 200,000 times each year, a woman just like me prevents sexual assault. Why? Because she was responsibly armed with what? These tools, these life-saving tools of self-defense. You are on the wrong side of this equation and this conversation. If you think that you are morally superior because you are doing anything to harm, infringe, get in the way of legal commerce that we have used for many years to help people gain these tools of self-defense and the training that goes along with it. And so that was thing A, that was just thing A. Thing B is um, that you're not doing anything you're not telling the bank who they can do business with, but there is a penalty. What's wrong with that? There's a penalty. Like I can, I can drive down the road. I can do the speed limit. I can even speed if I want, but there's a penalty if I do speed. So this is what I'm seeing here in the find act is that these banks can do whatever they want. They can wave their moral flag, but there's a penalty and those penalties uh, I have them in front of me. I don't want to catch you off guard if you don't, but do you know what they are? I do. We've changed it a little bit since then because we wanted to make sure that, again, this wasn't the heavy hand of government. We wanted to adhere to the free market on this. So we did start off and do some penalties, but what we've done right now is we've simply said this, and this is what the bill does, is it says, J.P. Morgan Chase, city. Bank of America. If you have policies of discrimination in the firearms industry, that's fine. You're allowed to. This is America. Go ahead and do so. Mm -hmm. But that's your choice. But if you're going to make that choice, the state of Arizona, when it comes to municipal bonds, when it comes to our contracts, well, we have values. Yep. And for those projects and contracts, we use taxpayer money. Yep. And our citizens don't want to do business or let you profit off our taxpayer contracts, just like you're making a decision. So continue to do what you're wanting to do, but you can't get a contract from the government of Arizona over a hundred grand, right? So this doesn't affect your small, small mm -hmm. projects. We don't want to hold things off. Mm -hmm. And for them to say that's anti-free market to me is it, it, it's so disingenuous and to hear that repeated by senators, it's either nefarious in nature, or you didn't read the bill, or you just have a total lack of understanding for the free market. But it's one of the three or all of them together. So by not voting, they're either they have somebody they have to answer to if they vote for it, 
-hmm. or somebody to answer to if they don't vote for it. Right. And so what would that be? The banks, right? Mm -hmm. They have to answer to the bank. So there's, there has to be more to the story. Mm -hmm. Why would they, why wouldn't they vote for that? You know, at least vote. You can vote no if you feel that way, but vote. um, Leach apparently thought he read it because he's thinking that there's this pursuit of happiness angle in there for the banks. I, yeah, go ahead and pursue your happiness, but guess what? Just like when I speed or if I drive recklessly, there's a, there's a penalty involved for, for, uh, doing that. Well, Michael, how there many are penalties involved if they want to do this? Right. I don't understand how S- Senator Leach or any of these others could with a straight face go, yeah, that's a bridge too far for me. And now I'm, I'm over-regulating a bank that, as you said, well, you didn't say this part necessarily, but when you brought up taxpayer dollars, when, when taxpayer dollars bailed out these banks in the first place, they ceased to be separate private entities right there, right? And now when you have these big contracts that, that are trying to use, again, our dollars against us, no, thank you. And you were a small business owner. My family and I, we own small businesses as well. And for the banks to get up there and say, we're a small business. And this is the hand, heavy hand of government coming down and telling us what we can <laughs> and cannot do. What I thought to myself is not only the bailouts or is taxpayer money, but this goes back o- almost a hundred years. If you remember during the great recession with the creation of FDIC and others, Very few industries in the world can boast of such taxpayer subsidies, Mm -hmm. taxpayer support in case they fail. We pay for FDIC as taxpayers. We subsidize Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. They can't fail. Their model is we've decided that they have to exist. And we've cleaned up their mess time and time again. So to suggest that the big banks in Wall Street, and as you say, the monocle wearing martini sipping CEOs who are living on Billionaire Row in Manhattan get to decide with someone in Prescott and Phoenix, anywhere in Arizona for that matter, get to do by, by doing a roundabout way of making it more difficult for us to acquire the means, as you say, Cheryl, to protect ourselves mm-hmm. is, is, is just disgusting to me. And the second thing that I'll note is you hit the nail on the head in terms of this affecting a person's right to self-defense. Mm-hmm. But look at what's happening in Ukraine right now. Exactly. Look what's happening all over the country with the lawlessness. What they don't realize is that this doesn't just affect citizens' rights to firearms. I have a letter from Sig Sauer, for instance, that, and Ruger as well, and they have a Prescott factory, mm-hmm. suge- detailing the amount of discrimination. Well, if you're looking at how NATO is supplied and what firearms they have. If you go to any police jurisdiction around the country and you do an inventory, well, I bet you Sig Sauer is a big, big portion of both law enforcement around the country. I know it is of NATO because they have exclusive contracts. Mm -hmm. And if we are disrupting the ability for Sig Sauer and Ruger to obtain the capital they need to continue providing the tools necessary to fight tyranny and dictators like Vladimir Putin in Europe, or lawlessness that we're seeing in Seattle, San Francisco, Portland. Mm-hmm. I don't think that people understand how important the FIND Act is, because if we don't stop this per- pervasive and again, perverse discrimination, it has ripple effects. Absolutely. And it affects 
yes, it affects crime around the country yeah. by taking the tools away from law enforcement. It, it affects national security and it affects a citizen's ability to defend themselves. So I'm glad you brought that point up because this isn't just a industry versus industry thing. This is a second amendment bill. And this is one of the most important bills that will come in the Arizona legislature for years to come. And to see Republicans, honestly, that say they're champions of the second amendment, to see them act in that way or not support us on this important legislation was mind boggling. So Michael, can, um, can this bill be reintroduced? So what it's been, yes, it's actually didn't, it wasn't voted on in finance. So it'll be voted on in the appropriations committee in, in the Senate on Tuesday. We have, um, we, we've gotten word, it's, it's not official yet, but I think it's safe to say that it will appear there. We'd love people to sign up on the RTS system, contact their legislators and say, this is important. Mm -hmm. Senator Leach said, in the meeting, I don't think this is a big deal. There's not a groundswell of people. I haven't heard it. And again, he didn't let me respond to that. And I would have responded with this. Well, you know why, Senator? Because when we did this hearing in South Dakota, who's another conservative, Second Amendment friendly state, we had the owner of Silencer Co. testify. After he testified, not only did he lose his banking, but he lost his personal banking on this. So we have tried to keep, my job is, is to protect our members yes. and putting them in harm's way, putting them on a list that the banks will say, well, let's just cancel them yes, because we're going to retaliate. To me is the reason why we are just being a little bit careful mm -hmm. because there should be a groundswell on this issue. Yeah. But when you retaliate in a way that's personal like that, and when you're ruining people's livelihoods, mm -hmm. their ability to pay their bills, mm -hmm. and sure, their argument is, well, there are other banks that will take them. If anybody's ever switched banks, it's oh. a hassle, especially if you have businesses. And it it's doesn't so, happen overnight. It doesn't. It is so time consuming and time is money. Oh, it's, it's, it took me days to get things transferred and, you know, get, getting, because you, you switch banks, you switch credit card processors, you have to order checks, you have to, all your, your auto, with deposits, auto deposits, all your auto, everything. It, it's a nightmare. It is a nightmare. And I, I hate that. To me, that sounds like when people say, well, who cares about the looting going on in, uh, where was that? Chaz, remember, uh, was that Oregon? That was Seattle, Washington. Yeah. Seattle, Washington, yeah. right? Who cares mm -hmm. about the looting and all of the, the rioting? Because everybody there, all those business owners, they have insurance, like as if it's okay. And as if they all are going to be able to be reimbursed. And even if somebody gave them all the money for the items that they lost, you, you lose so much in momentum and drive and energy when your, your business is disrupted in these ways. Yeah. It's not okay. And it's not a little thing. Well, we it's need to make sure that we have the names of those people that did choose not to vote. 
Yeah, I know these and, people personally. I talk to them when I'm down at the Capitol. And Leach, especially, he's generally hanging out with us that are members of the Arizona Citizens Defense League. So when I saw his name on here, I was really taken aback. I was like, what is on his mind about this? So we're, we're going to be chatting with him. And I'm hoping that his constituents will be giving him a phone call and always be, I'm talking to my viewers again, always be respectful calling people and flaming them or writing angry letters that doesn't get the ball moved. You can be professional, you can be respectful, and you can just state how this bill impacts you on a personal basis. We've given you lots of ideas and, and, and phrases you can use here in this segment. And this is, we need to communicate with our representatives. Otherwise they don't know how to represent us. They're hearing from the banks. So it's easy for them to represent the banks, yeah. right? Am I right, Michael? You're absolutely right. And, and I, don't, I don't think, if you gave me the choice between grassroots and people that care about the issue or a fa fancy banker from Washington, DC or, or Manhattan with his Hugo Boss suit, his Ivy League education and his $10,000 check, I'll take that Arizona citizen who lives in the district any day of the week and say, mm -hmm. I'd rather be in the foxhole with you than some guy that's bought and paid for by the banking industry. And I'm just hoping that after hearing from constituents that these senators to remember who elected them. And just because somebody flies in from the East Coast with a fancy suit and a big check that they say, you know what, my vote's not for sale. I'm not going to sell my soul for a couple pieces of silver. And I think there's still time for these senators to make the right choice, but I think they need to hear from their constituents. They need to hear from Arizonans and they need to know how important this is. Absolutely. And I appreciate you so much for taking the time to come on and, and talk about this, unpack this for people. It, we have busy lives and it's hard to follow every bill and figure out, you know, at first blush, blush, you hear that. Well, find act. What is that? That doesn't impact me. I don't even know what it's about. Oh, wait, it's the firearms industry non-discriminate. Well, I'm not in the industry, so why do I care? It takes a minute to, to unpack these things. Thank you for doing that with us. And again, we are sitting in the studio on Friday, March 25th, 2022. On Tuesday, March 29th of 2022, this bill is going to be brought out again in front of the Senate. And between then and now, people here in Arizona need to respectfully reach out to your legislators, your senators, let them know that this is something that is worthy of their vote, that they would represent you well to vote for this positively. And if you can show up on Tuesday at the Capitol, which I'm going to try very hard, I, I was actually supposed to be out of town, but I might have to switch that up. And, uh, and be down there myself and uh, give testimony to this. And testimony is a big, scary sounding word for basically one to two minutes of you as an individual citizen, just talking to the people that you pay with your tax dollars and saying, this is how this piece of legislation impacts me as a human being. This is how I want you to vote on this based on my life experience super simple. The hard, the hardest thing for me is that one to two minutes because I need like an hour to say everything. Oh, that's so. for sure. <laughs> Just put a microphone in front of her. She'll, she'll handle it. She can, she can have my time up there, Don. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Appreciate that. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Dan, did you have any closing thoughts? No, I, I appreciate you uh, coming on with us and letting the public know. And I just want to make a comment that, you know, you, you mentioned one of the senators quoting liberty from the Constitution. Um, half of the senators and Republicans, any of the people that are running for office don't know the Constitution anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, I always have to say this, the governor in New Jersey mm -hmm. that stated... Bill Murphy. Bill Murphy, he said... He said, the Constitution, Constitution is above my pay grade. And okay, he and he's running for office. Go figure. Right. I don't... So, so half of the, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't know how many, there's a lot of people that just don't, they should know that if they're going to be representing us, right? Absolutely. But anyway, uh, thank you. Michael, thank please you. Uh, tell folks how they can continue to follow all of the amazing work that the NSSF does because yes, you're, you support the industry, but by supporting the industry, you are supporting, you know, every citizen because you're helping right. with things just like this. Thank you. You can go to our website, nssf.org for all of our updates. We have a state legislative page there shows what we're working on. And yes, 90% of the time we're working in lockstep with the Dave Cops, with the Arizona Defense League, and others in Arizona, and some of the groups all over the country, because we're in this together. And the enemy's at the gates, and they're coming for both of us at this point. They're taking away our means to make the products for our folks to exercise their Second Amendment rights. So we have to band together and we have to fight together. So, and, and Cheryl and, and Don, thank you so much for, for everything again that you guys do. I mean, I wish we had, we could replicate you in every state I work in um, because it's truly great when we have folks that can get the message out there and really unpack some of these complex bills to show exactly the nefarious nature of the other side and how it affects them. So I've spoken too much. You've been very, very kind with your time. Thank you so much again. And I hope to see you on Tuesday. Absolutely. Thank right. you, Michael. We so appreciate you. Thank you, Mike. Bye-bye now. Wow. Well, you guys got to get off your butt and go down there and talk to the, your, your senators. Get on the phone, email them, do something. Just tell them to vote. Don't even tell them how to vote. Just tell them to vote. Well, no, because... Well, at least something. <laughs> I mean, they are our representatives. Right. If we don't tell them... And really, when I give testimony, I'm not telling the people on the panel, this is how I want you to vote. I'm saying this is why I, as a citizen, have shown up, and this is why I support or, right. or don't support a particular bill. And uh, this one, I honestly, when I saw it come up, I felt like it's going to pass. Like it's a no-brainer. And then especially with the Republican-heavy uh committee in the senate and the people involved that you know do work with the arizona citizens defense league of, of which i'm a board member and a life member you're a life member i thought this is absolutely going to pass i don't have to put any like extra effort i can spend that time on something else that maybe needs more explanation and i was wrong so yeah you, know, you can't for that i apologize yeah, that right. i was wrong i do need to put energy into this yeah you, you can't overlook these things that, you know, you think everything's going to be cool and it's not. Absolutely. So. All right. Well, we got to get out of here. Uh, but Michael Findley of the NSSF, thank you so much for what you yes. do. Thank you for helping to make 
that, you know, maybe a little bit out there, not quite part of my personal life, kind of a bill, much more accessible to us and our listeners. That's so valuable and so important. Thank you to our listeners, all of you all over the world. I know that this is an Arizona issue and you might be sitting in some other continent somewhere listening to this, but for, for the blessing from the blessing of God, you all get it that what happens in one state impacts another state, what happens in one nation impacts another nation. And you stay in this conversation with us and you share these conversations around your dinner tables. It's everything. Thank you so much. Wherever there is internet, we have listeners and viewers, and that's everything. Uh, if you want to go back and rewatch this or any of our other videos, uh, please go to YouTube, to GunStreamer, to Opsland smartphone app. If you want to listen to the audio only version, go to gunfreedomradio.com, click the on demand tab, and binge listen to your heart's content. Oh, darling. you almost missed your cue. Well, <laughs> you didn't poke me first. And binge listen to your heart's content. If you want to see photos and bios and links to all of the guests, and subject matter experts like Michael Fenley that we've just had on, click the guest tab. And, you know, there is a huge body of information that's growing there with each new show. And when you spend time there, we don't hate that. Nope. Until next time, what are we going to do? We're going to pray for this nation. Please pray for the people who have been placed in positions of authority that's our leaders. We pray for those too. Pray for our leaders. Hard for pray some of them. Pray for our senators, our state reps. Uh, it's not an easy job, but yet it's so simple. You just represent your constituents, the people that voted for you, right? So often here in Arizona, we have Republicans who were voted in by Republicans, and then they spend their whole time while they're in office pandering to Democrats. It's the craziest thing. And uh, we, we really need to stop doing that. Yes. But at any, way, any rate, pray for uh, the, these people, our leaders, um, even the ones we don't like, maybe especially the ones that we don't like. And until next time, be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. Bye-bye.